This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Let's get to the question you're not going to answer. Want to guess? Yeah, imagine <laughs> Ron DeSantis is over. The Florida governor's campaign for president is sinking like a rock. I got him the nomination. By the way, couldn't have never gotten the nomination. He would be working in either a pizza parlor place or a law office right now, okay? And he wouldn't be very happy. It's, about- it's a shame that his appeal has totally left before he even announces his intentions to run. Unless it isn't. Here's what we know. The most popular man in the Republican Party, Donald Trump, has made it his mission to diminish DeSantis. And national polls appear to be reacting in Trump's favor. Can the Republican governor turn around a campaign that hasn't started? Is this even a setback if he has not announced that he is beginning his journey? Unseating Donald Trump in the hearts of some Republican voters will indeed be impossible. But can he do enough to win the nomination? Or does he want to? Just kidding. We're not going to even seriously deal with that in this episode. He obviously wants to. Here's what we're going to answer. What are DeSantis's legislative goals that he looks to achieve before he makes his announcement? Are Trump's attacks truly working? What will DeSantis' actual campaign rollout look like? And what is the one issue, the single issue, that would immediately paint Donald Trump as a feckless yacker and the Florida governor as a man who gets things done? Everybody's assuming you're going to announce reasonably soon you're going to run for president of the United States. Are you? My name is Justin Robert Young, and this is politics, politics, politics. We know that Ron DeSantis isn't going to make an announcement until he is done with the Florida legislative session. So what is he going to get done then? Um, His agenda, I think it's very, very clear that uh, this is an agenda for... A campaign, you know, yeah. Uh, that he, that um, someone put it to me, you know, this is the Ron DeSantis show. Oh, sorry for not introducing you. Uh, uh, say hi, Kimberly. I'm Kimberly Leonard. I'm a policy and politics correspondent with Insider, and I live and report in South Florida. Ah, the epicenter of college basketball. Sorry to interrupt you. Let's get back to the legislature. One of the things that he talked about, for instance, was a bunch of and this is not that controversial, but I'll just I'll just kind of go through some of them. Um, So, for example, they want to get rid of a lot of sales taxes on various items, a lot of them that families need. So things like strollers and diapers, uh, baby clothes. And Florida doesn't have an income tax, but it does have a sales tax of six percent. So he would get rid of, of those items. Some of the more controversial mes- measures, the the uh, law that I talked about, the Parental Rights and Education Act, that prohibits discussion, or excuse me, it prohibits instruction about gender um, identity and sexual orientation for up to third grade. They want to move it up the legislature to ban it to up to um, eighth grade because um, they want it to basically coincide with sex education, is my understanding. 
And so that's something that so is that, also that would be that would be the first year. And, and as somebody who grew up in Florida public schools, uh, the, the first year that you would do sex education would be eighth grade. So middle school. eighth grade. Right. Right. Well, yeah. that's beyond that's late middle school. Right. If middle school starts in sixth. Um, so, um, yeah, but I sorry, I don't really I don't really know. <laughs> I, no, I no, no. Yeah. Up. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It would be yeah, yeah. it'd be late middle school. Yeah. It's it's a okay. uh, K one through five for elementary and then six, seven, eight is middle school. Nine through twelve uh, is is high school, at least in, in Broward County schools in the right. you know late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> No, exactly, exactly. So, um, and then there, uh, there are other measures that DeSantis has, you know, asked the legislature for on, um, you know, permitless carry, um, to amid, you know, another mass shooting. Um, he he wants the legislature to pass that. Now, a lot of other states have that, um, but you know, in Florida, we've had we've had mass shootings here, obviously with um, the Parkland shooting and mm-hmm. with the Orlando nightclub shooting. So, you know, that's causing alarm for a lot of people because there were under um, then Governor Rick Scott, there were a lot of, um, you know, role, uh, more more restrictions on on, on guns um, after after those um, tragedies occurred. So, so did, now did, did, did Florida yeah. pass a red flag law after Parkland? I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that would, that would seize guns with, you know, uh, you know, if somebody was uh, obviously disturbed, whether or not, you know, those you know, obviously controversial in their, in their own right, but permitless carry, I feel like has become the, the, the kind of second amendment move du jour for Republican governors. Like if your state does not have it, you want to be the Republican governor that says now you can. Right. Right. And, you know, this is, I mean, this is all aimed at a primary audience, right? A Republican primary audience. And, um, some of the other measures, for example, on on immigration, um, Governor DeSantis wants to basically make it harder for people who are living in the U.S. illegally to work and to um, go to school in Florida. So um, he actually wants to roll back a, a law that his lieutenant governor championed when she was in the legislature that allows um, uh, people who are undocumented to receive, you know, especially dreamers to receive in-state tuition. Um, he would want to roll that back. He wants to make it so that even uh, private businesses would have to use E-Verify when um, they have workers who are, are, are they're, they're considering hiring different workers, you know, as part of their um, hiring process. So um, those are just a couple of, of measures. There's also others having to do with, you know, whether China can buy up land and property in Florida. You know, I think that's aimed as kind of this foreign policy, um, yeah. bringing that in. And... Uh, can, can, we, can we go back? Yeah, let me, let's go back to immigration yeah. for a second, though, because Florida obviously has a very, very complicated immigration uh, story, considering there was this carve out for Cuban uh, refugees to have, you know, it's referred to as wet foot, dry foot, that you could if you made it to shore, you were protected in a way that, let's say, a, a Haitian immigrant was not. Uh, wow. w- what is the status of immigration, especially in places like like South Florida, and how would it be affected by this new law? Well, I mean, for people who are receiving in-state tuition, you don't yeah. have, have, you know, that ability anymore. And just not being able to work here as easily or go to school here. You know, I mean, DeSantis says, well, I'm just fighting against the Biden administration's policies because they basically, you know, he's calling it open border. Um, but but actually, President Biden has really um, 
been a lot more um, aggressive on illegal immigration, especially recently. Lately, um, yes. So, <laughs> yes, especially recently. Yes. Um, so that has kind of changed. We'll see if it makes any kind of a difference. But, you know, they, he wants to do things like banning localities from issuing IDs to people who are undocumented. So um, I'm pretty sure that where, where I live in Miami Beach, you know, you have uh, you can have access to an ID just as given locally. Um, and it, it's not always for people who are undocumented. Sometimes it's for people who are unhoused. So um, there's just a lot of different, you know, considerations too, and how it could affect other people. Um, so I th- one of the things, you know, I mean, look, DeSantis was aggressive against illegal immigration before he ran for re-election. Um, don't forget about the Martha's Vineyard political yep. stunts um, where he flew people from Texas to um, Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, um, and he decidedly won among Hispanic voters. So um, he seems to think that, you know, these kinds of laws won't affect um, his popularity with that demographic. I, I, I will say that in South Florida, immigration is not a straight line. <laughs> like there are there are a lot of different nationalities. There's a lot of different class strata. There's a huge age gap that is different with with a lot of stuff. So I don't think I think it would be folly for anybody to say, oh, well, it has a large Hispanic population. A strict immigration law would would turn them off. I I I, I would agree with your your your, your sentiment. You, there's no way of knowing how those uh, uh, how those dominoes are going to fall. Right. It, I mean, Latino voters should never be treated as a monolith. Um, the people come from different countries. They come with different ideas and different ideals. Um, and so uh Sussing all of that out, you know, it's probably something that's important for people who analyze these trends to to look at. Um, but the idea that um, being aggressive on immigration would automatically turn off um, Latino voters hasn't played out in, in what we've seen so far. Obviously, I and everybody else in the political media want to get this fight going as fast as possible. I crave it. I want it. I need it. I only get this type of political violence once every four years. And because Joe Biden has the unmitigated gall to run for a second term instead of giving me a double barreled primary, I have to obsess constantly about the Republican one. And while I desperately want Ron DeSantis to be brandishing his knives and slicing them at Trump as fast as possible. It is absolutely a necessity for him to complete his legislative session. Number one, because it was such a gigantic headline grabber a year ago. We still have phrases like don't say gay or Martha's Vineyard in our political minds because of what he did last summer. Well, he's going to do it again. And like Kimberly said, If some of the things that he has talked about doing go forward, then that means that he will be the number one story in politics. It also puts Donald Trump in the position of being against the things that he's doing. And that brings us to the Trump conflict. Listen to Trump make fun of DeSantis at his rally this weekend in Waco. When a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, he's at almost nothing in the polls. And he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost $30 million in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. 
And he said, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But he fought a little bit, like 150. You certainly know Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. He fought a little bit, just a little bit, on impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, meaning on television, because I didn't know him very well. But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me. So what happened is, I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. And I endorsed him, and he became like a rocket ship. Within one day, the race was over. He got the nomination. Let's play that punchline one more time. I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. Not exactly a gigantic laugh. It appears that Donald Trump voters, even if they would prefer Donald Trump, do not like bagging on DeSantis. Now, let's compare that to 2016. Here is Donald Trump bagging on Ted Cruz. Specifically, this is Trump making fun of Cruz for not helping up his then vice presidential pick, Carly Fiorina, after she fell off a stage. She just went down. She went down a long way, right? And she went down right in front of him, and he was talking. He kept talking. He didn't even look like... That was a weird deal. Man. And let's keep the laughs rolling. Here's an old classic. If I could say, you know, remember Lion, Lion? I won't say Lion Ted. I refuse to say. Lion Ted. Holds that Bible high, puts it down, and then he lies. How have you seen the tenor change or sharpen from Trump world toward DeSantis? Well, I think that Trump has been vocal, you know, before before the midterms, Trump was already complaining to a lot of folks in his inner circle about DeSantis and that he felt he was ungrateful because Trump had endorsed DeSantis in 2018. And then DeSantis on his own became very popular, especially among Republicans for his COVID policies and basically bucking what federal public health officials told him to do. He would just, you know, do the opposite, basically. And so he gained a lot of popularity then and Trump was was resentful and it just didn't feel that he had been given the proper credit for DeSantis's rise. Um, And so that was something that, you know, was leaking to reporters. Of course, you know, you hear you then hear people say, well, no, reporters are ginning up all of the controversy. But but then Trump, just a couple of days before the um, the election, um, gives DeSantis a nickname, DeSanctimonious. And yeah. so it was and, you know, it was clear that some of the things that we we were hearing secondhand were, were you know, accurate. So that that reporting holds. And then I would say after the election, after DeSantis won by almost 20 points, you know, a lot of the national media has been getting this wrong, and I'm sorry to say this, but, you know, saying that he's trying to stay out of the fray, that he's just focused on Florida, you know, I'm not getting involved. As someone who's been on the ground, DeSantis has been needling at Trump ever since Election Day. You know, look at the scoreboard. All right. So let's take a look at the polls, because this is something that Donald Trump watches very closely, as do everybody else in the political media. I'm going to read you polls from the month of March. All right. We have Trump plus 29, a CNN poll that had DeSantis up two nationally. We have yet to see another CNN poll. I would keep an eye out for that. 
Trump plus 14, Trump plus 14, Trump plus eight, Trump plus 26. Now, the Trump plus 26 was the only one to happen after the DA stuff came out. So there is a rallying around the standard bearer when it comes to that. I think another factor that is helping Trump is the Manhattan DA investigation, you know, and there is with Trump, he has, I mean, he, I don't know how he does it, but he knows how to, uh, things that that would destroy other politicians. He really creates this rally around effect. And by, by people who, you know, Republicans who shouldn't be in his corner, they rally over to, you know, side with him. Um, and, you know, this whole us versus them narrative, it, it works very well for him. Um, and he, you know, he withstands scandals that would undo any other politician. So I think that's another thing that's happening. That being said, even if you average up all the other polls, this is still a fairly solid double digit lead nationally for Donald Trump. But wait, 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 say the Tallahassee faithful. When is the national Republican primary? What day is the national Republican primary where nationally all the Republicans pick their standard bearer? Oh, wait, there isn't a national Republican primary. The way that the primary is done is the same way it's always been done. We're going to go to Iowa, then we're going to go to New Hampshire, and then we're going to go to South Carolina, and we're going to go on and on and on and on and on. There'll be a Super Tuesday thrown in, and eventually there'll be one candidate with enough delegates that will take the prize. And if you look at those most recent polls, well, they paint a different story. Two surveys conducted by Public Opinion Strategies from March 21st to the 23rd found DeSantis leading Trump by eight points in a head-to-head matchup in Iowa and tied Trump 39 to 39 in New Hampshire. It doesn't really come as much of a surprise to anybody that nobody else is competing on the level of these two. But let's drill down a little bit, shall we? In Iowa, DeSantis has a pretty bonkers favorable to unfavorable percentage. 81% favorable to 11% unfavorable. Compare that to Trump in Iowa at 74% favorable, 24% unfavorable. And then compare that to Mike Pence, who, by the way, is built in a lab to win the Iowa primary. Evangelical, big name recognition. And yet he is at 59% to 35%. Let's swing it on over to New Hampshire then. DeSantis's favorability rating in the Granite State, 77% to 15. Donald Trump, 69% to 29%. And Nikki Haley at 54% to 23%. Mike Pence in New Hampshire. 50 to 43. This is a two-horse race. And right now, one horse is attacking the other horse with a lot more force than the other. So, what is Ron DeSantis's 
line of attack. How will he roll out his campaign? And is there one single issue that can draw a bright line between the two candidates while highlighting everything that DeSantis wants and bringing out all the worst of Donald Trump? I believe I found it, and I will tell you after the break. This politics, politics, politics update is brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you can go to get bonus content of this show. Your dollar tier per week gets you an ad-free feed. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. One on Monday morning, the other on Thursday afternoon. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the program. But... Let's go ahead and get you updated. Representative Ro Khanna of California is passing on entering the Senate race for the open Dianne Feinstein seat. He announced this week on CNN's State of the Union. Khanna is not staying out of the race completely. In declining to enter himself, he said he was endorsing Representative Barbara Lee and will co-chair her campaign as she takes on Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. Kana was once thought to be a leading figure in this race, but Katie Porter started things off by getting in a little early, and Barbara Lee said that she was going to do it. She'll have the backing of the Congressional Black Caucus, obviously, but Adam Schiff not only has a gigantic stockpile of money, but especially through the Trump years, a gigantic amount of name recognition. Reminder in California that this will not be a primary that will determine the one Democrat that will run in the general. The general election will almost assuredly, based on California's politics, be two Democrats head to head. So right now we have Katie Porter, Barbara Lee and Adam Schiff. That is a little game of musical chairs for which we'll leave one butt without a seat. And if I was taking bets on it right now, I would say the favorite to be left out of the mix is Katie Porter. But a lot can happen between then and now. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp says he is not going to run for president in 2024. Quote, I have a great relationship with Pence and a really good relationship with DeSantis. Chris Christie came and campaigned for us multiple times, along with a lot of other governors. I know Tim Scott real well. Nikki Haley came and campaigned for us. I've known her over the years, and I've gotten to meet Pompeo a couple times. So I'm kind of like everyone else. I'm just seeing how things are playing out and keeping an open mind. When pressed if there was any candidate that was left out of that list, he said, yeah. I haven't heard from Trump. As we talk about Ron DeSantis in this episode, part of the blueprint that I think has crystallized the idea that Donald Trump has permanently left behind part of a winning national coalition is what happened with Brian Kemp 
in Georgia. Look, Donald Trump won Florida in 2020. So Ron DeSantis blowing out the margins in the midterms is something that is notable, but not exactly something that would tilt the map compared to what happened in 2020 in that presidential election. Brian Kemp winning by the margins that he won by while Donald Trump was actively trying to alienate his base, while he drafted a primary candidate to go after him. And yet Kemp stands tall. And yet Brad Raffensperger stands tall is part of the DNA of why many Republicans believe that Donald Trump cannot win nationwide and a supercharged Kemp can. So Kemp says he's not going to run. And, you know, I, I, I would suspect he might have the Senate in his future. But it's very interesting to see how this plays out, especially considering what we saw during the midterms. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to get bonus content of this show. Head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Well, thank you so much. It's really an honor to be at at the Ronald Reagan Library. DeSantis has been spending the last few weeks promoting his book, The Courage to Be Free, and it's allowing him to go to a lot of early voting states and really introduce himself to voters, to tell his story, to talk a little bit about, you know, what he's about, what his policies are, his life. So you consult with that, but a statesman's got to harmonize all the different competing interests in society. Fauci doesn't know anything about the economy. He doesn't know anything about education. He doesn't know anything about your rights. Indeed, he doesn't care about your rights. And so... And he is also still governor of Florida. So he yesterday, for instance, signed a bill into law um, that would expand uh, school vouchers here in Florida. And so he is able to tick off accomplishments in the state, things that he's pushed for while also running this sort of shadow campaign, if you want to call it that. By the way, courage to be free. Ron DeSantis's new pre-presidential campaign book is currently sitting at 4.7 out of five stars on Amazon. There is a popular media narrative that says that Ron DeSantis is not really engaging with Donald Trump, that he's kind of turning the other cheek. But Kimberly doesn't think that that really holds water. He held a press event in Palm in West Palm Beach, you know, which is close to where Mar-a-Lago is. And it was all about um, COVID vaccine skepticism. And it was this message where 
And I think a message he made more clear this week where he was going to say, look, I'm to the right of Trump on this issue. Yeah. And 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 the thing is, and I, I only recognize it because I've been watching DeSantis for so long. He loves these, you know, the subliminal messages. I mean, for example, when he was signing um, some anti-COVID measures um, in Florida, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, but he he did it in Brandon in Brandon, Florida. Really? Because trying, yeah, because he was trying to troll Joe Biden, and yeah. you know everyone Let's says, "Let's go, yeah, Brandon." Yeah, well, yeah, no, I mean, and he would he would call him Brandon. So DeSantis has been needling at Trump for a while, and when Trump first attacked DeSantis, you know, on Truth Social, calling him a groomer and so forth. He was provoked. Um, earlier that day, DeSantis held a round table with he wanted to do a new measure on defamation laws. Um, and that's something that the legislature is working on, too. But he had a lawyer there who um, is involved in the Dominion lawsuit against, um, you know, my my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. And so MAGA world just went nuts. And so it was shortly after that happened that Trump blew up. Um, so it wasn't just out of nowhere. Um, it was very targeted. He was trying to get under his skin, you know, and DeSantis, here's the thing. He's always he's always up for a fight. I mean, he's fought everyone. Right. Um, and he you cross him, you will pay. Um, he's been very, very clear that he is a fighter. And so the idea that he would just sit on the sidelines while Trump takes all the shots was never going to be the case. Now, he has been more open in recent weeks, you know, saying, um, that essentially Trump's method is chaotic, saying, you know, I won, he lost. To that point, so here is words, a clip much, from um, Piers Morgan's show, I believe it's called Uncensored, that was an hour-long interview with DeSantis. What do you think of the differences? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the approach to COVID was, was different. I mean, you know, I would have fired somebody like Fauci. Uh, I think that he got way too big for his britches, and I think he did a lot of damage. Uh, I also think just in terms of my approach to leadership, you know, I get personnel in the government who have the agenda of the people and share our agenda. If you bring your own agenda in, you're gone. We're just not going to have that. So the way we run the government, I think, is no daily drama, Focus on the big picture and put points on the board. And I think that that's something that's very important. You've not been sucked into responding to any of the taunts. Is that a deliberate strategy? I'm just not following it. I mean, I get taunted and I get attacked every day. I mean, you see some of that. I, it, to me, it's just kind of background noise. It's not important for me to be fighting with people on social media. Uh, it's not accomplishing anything for the people I represent. So we really just focus on uh, knocking out victories day after day. And if I got involved in all the undertow, I would not be able to be an effective governor. So I don't think it's something that, that makes sense for me. But that leads to this question. If DeSantis is fighting back against Trump right now, is that a good thing, considering where the polls are? I think it's too soon to tell. Look, in my opinion, this campaign has not started until Christina Pushaw at replies Donald Trump Jr. We've seen some fighting in, 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 in the outskirts of the loyalists where MAGA world will go after DeSantis people, and and stuff like that. We, we've seen a little bit, some skirmishes of, 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 a, of a firefight. And we've seen some more prominent MAGA folks take shots at DeSantis. But so far, the DeSantis death squad has kept their powder dry. 
And that's not something that they normally do when they want to take out their enemies. I'm telling you right now, Christina Peshaw is the pit bull. And when she is sicked on Trump, she will go after, or maybe she won't. And that will tell us our own story as well. Maybe they want to continue to take aim at liberal causes. And they don't want to get too sucked in to a, 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 a inner party battle. If and when he announces that he is running for president and he understands that this is essentially a two-horse race between him and Donald Trump, that among the first things that he will do, either in his announcement speech or shortly thereafter, is draw a bright line between these two candidates. Do you get a sense that DeSantis' world is ready for that fight or gearing up for it? Gearing up. For sure. I mean, there's there's still staffing up too. Um, yeah. You know, there's news about it every single day, and I think they're also probably you know figuring, still figuring out where the where the um, where the points are. You know that they can differentiate themselves, and I think that we saw DeSantis's opening bid on Piers Morgan. But yeah, you know, I DeSantis, everything is deliberate. He's very scripted. He's very, you know, and a lot of people like that. A lot of people see that as a feature and not a bug. Um, they don't like Trump's freewheeling style and they like that DeSantis is disciplined and he's planned. Um, and I knew. So when he, you know, when Trump was attacking him over the weekend and there was pressure on him on DeSantis by MAGA world to really speak out about the Manhattan DA situation, when DeSantis office put out a press release saying he was going to be doing a press conference that morning. I I thought, okay, well, he wants to address this. And then yeah. when he was done with the press conference and he took questions, I said, okay, he really wants to address this. So DeSantis doesn't get, this is where a lot of the coverage is wrong. DeSantis isn't, he doesn't just get caught with, oh, oh no, wait, I don't want to talk about Trump. If he's showing up, if he's taking questions, he is ready for that question. He prepared it. He talked about it. He ran it through his staff, everything else, probably, you know, more with his wife, Casey DeSantis, who's a master image maker and master, um, you know, <laughs> basically being able to get his helping him get his message across. So that so that's something to keep watching with him, because it's not about, oh, he gets caught up in all this and they're just asking him about it because it's, you know, he's, you know, governor of Florida and it might involve him, et cetera. Um, he's, everything is is planned, scripted, calculated. And so um, whatever he does, it's not going to be, oh, he just fell into it by accident. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's not his no. MO. So I, That's... you know, I would take it for what it's worth when he shows up and when he says things. It's not that he wants to be focused on something else. He wants he wants to talk about it. And he and he when he wants to, he will. Other times he won't hold a press conference or if he has a press conference, he won't take questions. So he's always very much in control of his world. Um, and that's that's what's going to change. Right. During a primary when you're out and about um, and maybe he'll kind of reinvent the way that candidates um, meet voters and so forth. But uh, more often than not, he'll probably face instances that are less under his control. All right. I made a bold claim on this show. I made a bold claim that there is something that Ron DeSantis could say in either his debut of his campaign, his, his campaign announcement. By the way, I'm curious 
where you would do that. Now, now my mind is is whirling on on exactly where you would do it. I think you would probably either do it in Florida or or you do it in a state that Trump lost. I think that would be the mission, the you know, that, that would that'd be the image that you'd want to you'd want a big rowdy rally in a place in like like a a, a district that Trump lost that he should have won. Maybe one he won in 2016 that he lost in 2020. All right. So let's say you do that. And actually, I would say either Nevada or Arizona, considering what I'm going to pitch here. What is the one thing that Donald Trump has talked about incessantly before he started talking about Ron DeSanctis? I'll give you some time to, to say it yourself. This is going to be like, like, like uh, Dora the Explorer. You can, you can uh, uh, say it with me. Three, two, one. The 2020 election. 2020 election. The problem was that, you know, things were going one way and then they were going the other way. And that looks like voter fraud. And you know, if you don't do something, they're going to, they're going to take your country. That's that, that. That's the Trump line, right? Trump has talked about it constantly. He has talked about it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're on DeSantis, you can say, well, now I'd like to talk about it. Because I haven't talked about it nearly as much as Trump. Trump has continued to push this discourse forward. So now here's what I want to say, speaking as DeSantis here. I want to say that back in the year 2000, the great state of Florida was humiliated with an election debacle. So what happened? Well, the state of Florida decided to actually look at the problem and actually solve it. What did the state of Florida do? Well, it required early voting ballots to be completely counted on the day before election day. Results from early voting must be posted within 30 minutes of the polls closing. Mail-in ballots in Florida have to be received by 7 p.m. on election day. And you only have two days to cure a ballot because of mismatched signatures. Now, let's compare that to a state like Nevada. Nevada says that mail-in ballots can be postmarked by Election Day, and they can be received until the Saturday after Election Day. Well, I don't know about all of you guys, but I don't think that it engenders more faith in the democratic system if an election stretches a week, half a week, hell, a couple days past when it should. It's bad. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. And it more than ever has led people to not believe that we have a system. And 
let's be fair. It can. It opens up the possibility for fraud. And so that's why Ron DeSantis, as president of the United States, will fix it. We're going to bring the Florida voting model, the one that has delivered election results at the point of polls closing every single election over the past six years nationwide. This isn't about scoring points of, of, of one person or another. No, it's about getting results faster. Joe Biden hasn't done it. The Democrats haven't done it. And I don't know if I were another Republican candidate and all I did was talk about the problems with our election. Well, you know, maybe I would have had a plan too. But that's fine. Because here it is. Florida's voting model goes national. And anybody who opposes it You got to wonder what they're up to. This would do a few things. Number one, it would show that Ron DeSantis is a man of action. There's kind of a little bit of a Elizabeth Warren lane that he can take here. Because much like progressivism, there's a lot of people standing up and saying X, Y, or Z should change, but not a lot of people that are putting an exact plan forward. In fact, that's like the, the the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren contrast is something that I think is very fascinating. It's something that you should really watch, especially in relation to this GOP campaign where Bernie Sanders is way more plan oriented than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is grievance oriented. And so was Bernie. But Elizabeth Warren really trapped herself by being too technocratic trying to perfect a plan as if voters cared. They just want to, they, they want for you to know that they very much care about this issue and they want to have a general sense that you could get it done. Ron DeSantis is there right now. And since Donald Trump is not anywhere close to coming out with plans about stuff, nor did he ever really particularly feel all that interested in making things happen. And that's why he deputized so many people that he ultimately couldn't trust or doesn't trust now at the very least. That's where DeSantis can capitalize. Yes, Trump talks, but Ron does. And that is why he has a shot in this prime. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank Kimberly Leonard of Insider for coming on the show and talking all things Florida politics, and especially, I mean, right now, Florida politics is the GOP primary. So we will be hearing from Kimberly more, hopefully, as this primary goes forward. So please be nice to her. Say that you really enjoyed her on the show. Letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. That is PX3, guest.com. You want to email the program? 
Go ahead and do it. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. And again, we need your pitches for who is going to advance in our fake president's bracket. We have James Marshall of Air Force One versus Jed Bartlett of the West Wing in one matchup. And then we have Jack Stanton, the Bill Clinton stand-in in primary colors versus Tom Beck. That is of deep impact. Morgan Freeman is president in deep impact. Go ahead and send us your pitches. Who do you believe should win? TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. And thank God we're doing it this way because normally everybody does these March Madness polls on Twitter and apparently, according to Elon, uh, you're not going to be able to present a poll or vote in one unless you are a Twitter Blue subscriber in a couple of weeks. So there we go. Another thing that I was right about. If you would like to follow the show on Twitter, it is PX3Tweets. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's Justin R. Young. You can follow me live on Twitch, px 3 live.com and you can share this podcast with your friends family and clergy px3podcast.com support me with a one-time donation paypal.me slash pay jury j-u-r-y on venmo it is justin dash young dash 20 cash app is px3 cash and send me anything you'd like in the mail p.o box 153184 austin texas 78715 the only way you can get bonus content is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Including Jason, Andres, Matt, Tom Gross, C. Garcia, Matthew T., El Basso, John, Craig Potts, MC Radio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, TP4 Bongo, Kneemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Folk Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris, Arslanian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic, Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen A L D L D L D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, Joshua. You'd like your name read on this show. Just this simple. Take politics seriously. On Friday's edition of the program, we're talking tick tock and we are bringing in Tom Merritt to do it. So much to go through. The technical element of it, the cultural element of it, and the larger political question. Why the hell is this happening so fast? How did the Biden administration go from six months ago having TikTok influencers in the White House to having their Secretary of State say that it has to be ended? One way or another. Wow. That's big. Till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh!
you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.